for me, it was almost a light bulb that here in the palm of my hand, I had the ability to really connect to other women and other people who were going through this, which made me feel so much stronger and so much more capable. This is The Day That Changed Everything, a podcast series produced by Maine Biz, Maine's business news source. Every two weeks, we will post an interview with a business leader whose life was upended in one day and learn how they navigated their way back. If all great change is preceded by chaos, then this podcast series seeks to make sense of the chaos. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by MTI, or Maine Technology Institute, Norway Savings Bank, and Vistage. Mainers have an unrivaled work ethic, an endless supply of ideas, a boundless energy to create, and the perseverance to not say it's done until it's done better than it was before. Which is why the Maine Technology Institute was created to support, nurture, and invest in those qualities, and make Maine a place where ideas and people can thrive. To see how MTI supports innovation, go to maintechnology.org. That's maintechnology.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Renee Cordes with the Main Biz Podcast team. Today, we're joined by Amy Van Heron, the entrepreneur behind Pump Spotting. Pump Spotting is an app that's helped more than 40,000 new parents by connecting them to breastfeeding and pumping experts and to each other in a virtual community that keeps growing. We'll hear how Amy's own experience as a working mom and the strains of breastfeeding and pumping sparked an aha moment that led her to launch her startup. Let's hear more from Amy. Amy, welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I'm so honored to be here. So before we talk about your company, can you tell us a little bit about where you're from and what brought you to this part of the world? Sure. So I'm a Midwesterner at heart. That's where I was born. I was raised in the Midwest and had a lovely childhood and upbringing there in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So that's where I started and my whole family's there. I'm I'm the only person not to still live in Michigan for my immediate family. So it's fun to go back. Um, But then when I went to college and beyond, I just was really curious about other parts of the country. And so I ended up living in six states when I went to college on everywhere from Indiana to California to Hawaii. Um, And then when I wanted to go to grad school, I wanted to get my MFA in nonfiction creative writing. And I had never lived on the East Coast. So I only applied to grad schools here on the East Coast. And I really loved the University of New Hampshire. And so came out here for grad school. And that was 18 years ago and have been a happy Mainer and New Englander ever since. Now tell us a bit about your career path then after school and what attracted you to writing and storytelling in the first place. Yeah, I think I always loved that with writing, you have the ability to step into someone else's shoes and to really see the world from their perspective. And I I think even as a child, I think I wrote a lot when I was little, I was really drawn to how do you, how do you not only learn about a story, but the power, how can you use the magic of words to really make other people feel and connect? And I I think even when I was young, I always loved 
the way words could bridge this bond or open something up or connect people. And so I think I was really drawn to it. And then, you know, when I was in school, I really, I had lots of different ways I wanted to write. Um, and I was really drawn towards journalism and uh, telling, you know, true stories and things of that nature. And then after I graduated from graduate school, it was, you know, the time and the era of, of marketing and digital media and social media was coming to light in such a different way. It was no longer do you just write and put it in a book or in a magazine. It was this real-time exchange of content out in the internet world and back and forth. And what I found is that as much as I loved being able to tell stories, I loved being able to use them to create community and connections even more. And that kind of led me to my career in marketing to really think about working with companies and how do we use this passion people have in creating moments and ways for them to come together. And so I went from editorial journalism to marketing, working in companies. Um, I worked at Stonyfield uh, organic yogurt for a while, which was amazing. And then I started my own agency to be able to do it with many different companies. You mentioned Stonyfield and, and you work for a number of uh, quite interesting consumer brands. So what can you tell us about some of the brands uh, that you work with and what drew you to them? Sure. I, looking back, you know, you kind of start to see the dots collect in an interesting way. And I think when I look back, I realized that I have been helping feed people in really wonderful ways for most of my career with the companies that I worked for. I worked for uh, Amy's Kitchen. I worked for Patagonia and launching Patagonia Provisions, their food line. And um, I think for me, it was really about the companies that were doing, were mission-driven, doing something of, you know, value, organic food, you know, feeding people certainly in a way was a passion of mine. And also companies that had a real heart behind them and a real story to tell, I was always drawn to. And are there any campaigns uh, or projects you work on that time that, you know, stand out as, as highlights? Yeah. I mean, we did, when I was at Stonyfield, we did a few crazy things. There was a moment where there was um, a rally in Washington, DC with uh, John Stewart and Stephen Colbert and um, around climate and what have you. And we at Stonyfield, it was such a progressive, you know, Gary Hirschberg was so open to things that we made a bunch of posters, you know, that said, don't panic, eat organic and things like that. And we, the, a bunch of us Stonyfielders, we hopped on a bus in New York with Ariana Huffington and a bunch of people and we went down and I think at that moment to feel as though what you could do as a company in terms of being involved in changing things and having a voice and also for me in getting really creative that we were we were coming into a time where it wasn't you know you had more flexibility and fun frankly in how you sold things and got involved um, and I think that kind of unlocked for me maybe a new level of creativity in terms of thinking of opportunities and how things don't always have to be black and white it's always how could we how could we really think outside the box to push what we're trying to say and how we're connecting with people. So you had a career and at one point you also had your first child and became a working mother. So at, at what point in your career were you when you had your, your first child? So I had my daughter when I was at Stonyfield. So I think I'd been there a few years. I was commuting two hours each way to Manchester and so found you know myself spending a lot of time pumping in my car and starting to navigate. It was my first journey in terms of navigating breastfeeding and parenthood. I didn't come from a world where that was really part of our culture. 
but I felt really passionate from what I had learned and read that it was something I wanted to do. And so I think that was the, my first foray into this world of trying to navigate working motherhood and feeding a family, which are two um, very complex and all consuming things in both ways. But so when I was at Stonyfield, they were really, they were a very family friendly company, very much so. And yet, you know, we still, I was still pumping in a closet with a broken chair and, you know, in this place where they, they were supportive in theory, but there were a lot of things that still felt really hard. Um, and I, you know, I think there were a handful of us who were mothers there. And one of the most powerful things was that we really relied on one another. As a new mother, how did you sort of inform yourself about um, breastfeeding other than talking to other mothers? Was there any place you could go to to read up on it? Any experts? Yeah, well, luckily we live in, you know, we're in the time of Google. (laughs) So we did a lot of Googling around a lot of questions and such. But, you know, it's very interesting because you don't know. It's one of those, uh, for me, it was one of those journeys in life where you don't know what you don't know until you're in it. But the most important thing for me is there's, there's a mother's group here um, in Southern Maine and Kittery where I live called Mama's Nest. And Andrea Rutherford was a doula and a lactation coach. And so for me, she was like instrumental in connecting me to other moms locally and really giving me the answers when I was in crisis and the questions to things. And it must have been an exhausting time too. You mentioned the the two-hour commute to the office. Yeah, it is exhausting. You know, new parenthood, I think for everyone is just exhausting. It requires so much, um, but certainly the journey of feeding on top of that, regardless of how you do it, whether you're breastfeeding or exclusive pumping or formula feeding or what have you, you know, a little baby has to eat every couple of hours. And that, it, that adds up, you know, if you breastfeed for a year, which is what the World Health Organization recommends, and I did it for almost two years, but it's 1800 hours in a year. And so when you do that on top of your job and lack of sleep and everything else, you are, you know, emotionally and physically exhausted a lot of the time and under, under a lot of stress. And so it's beautiful and it's wonderful, but it, it is a time period that's very all consuming in a really interesting way. And isolating too. Oh my gosh, you feel like always alone, or at least I did. That was my experience. You know, every time you have to pump, especially in the workplace, you are removing yourself from whatever else is happening with your coworkers or work or all of those things. And I think it's so isolating. It's so easy through all of this emotional and mental strain to really feel like you are the only person that is navigating this. And I think that was one of the hardest parts for me in this journey. So let's talk a bit about um, where you were in in your career and your parental journey when you decided to venture out on your own. You already mentioned that you started your own agency. I believe that was in 2013. I just decided that I I love, you know, being a creative, probably entrepreneurial person. I think I wanted to do what I was doing, but to do it under my own schedule and to be building something that was more my own and um, to be able to work with other companies. I had a lot of connections and I started to get some opportunities to do different projects. And that's really what made me make the move. And were you working on your own or did you bring in other people eventually to your agency? Sure. I started on my own. So just started with myself and some clients and kind of built. And then fairly quickly, uh, especially when I got pregnant with my second son, because I couldn't do it all alone. I brought in uh, my first 
full-time employee. And then, you know, at one point, I think I was, I think there were, I had four employees. So we were always fairly small, but um, we grew a team of women over time. So when you did have your, your second son, could you take maternity leave or even any time off just for, for me time? Uh, no, not, not really. In fact, I think I took about five weeks. I had, you know, Allie on board. And at that time I took about five weeks, but yeah, it's really hard when you're in a service-based business and you're running your own thing to really remove yourself from the equation. And so I think I approached it had, I had to, I was forced to approach that time period creatively, like much in my life. And so I had someone come to my house to be here with my baby. And I, um, you know, I had to start traveling when he was six weeks old. I think that's still really early on to be separated. And so there were a lot of emotions and a lot of things, but I, I really cared about my work and didn't want it to end. And so I just had to find a way forward. And so now tell us about how you continued uh, breastfeeding and some of the stresses and strains, especially you mentioned traveling for your work. Yeah, it just, it, it amplified the second time around when I was really in this place to be traveling. I was, you know, I was traveling every month at least to San Francisco and that's, you know, six or seven hour flight, depending which direction you go. And when you're, you know, when you're breastfeeding and you're expressing milk and you're used to doing it, especially at six weeks, every hour and a half, to two hours, that is just a massive amount of logistical work. It is, you know, pumping. I would you know, wake up at 3 a.m. and pump and then take a bus to Boston and then pump before I got on the plane. And then I would pump between businessmen on the plane and then in the airport before I got to my hotel. Yeah. And it was just this world I was in of, of, um, just almost all consumed. I either had to be, you know, I was excited when I could breastfeed, but then I was away so much. There was so much, you know, driving out to, you know, crazy faraway places to get dry ice so I could ship hundreds of ounces of milk back. And meanwhile, yeah, there was no me time and there was no time for anything except thinking about my next project, my next feed. It was just like I was in a fog. Um, and I went through some dark times where that was really, really hard for me to endure. I was so exhausted. The mental capacity was not there. Now, one trip uh, that you told me about before, I believe it was a red flight you took to and from California was particularly difficult, but it turned into being an eye-opening experience for you. So tell, tell us about that. Yeah, it was probably my eighth trip, give or take in. Um, and I, yes, I took red eyes because I didn't want to be away from my son. So I would take a red eye there and a red eye home to reduce the amount of time I was gone. Um, which, you know, when you're already sleep deprived serves no one, <laughs> but that's, that was the reality of what, you know, what I had to do. So I was, uh, um, taking a, about to board a, a red eye back from San Francisco. And I was really at sort of a breaking point. And I remember that I was sitting on a, a bathroom floor in the San Francisco airport and it was, you know, it was sticky. You can imagine the smells and the sounds. And I, you know, to this day still rem- like feel the, the red stress of hearing the women outside the door waiting to get in and, you know, the line that was happening. So, you know, here I am doing this. And I just remember I had this moment where I thought I cannot do this one more day. I just, I I can't, there is no way I can put my body and my emotional self through this. Uh, You know, as much as I believe in the importance of the health for my son, 
you know, work is suffering and I'm, my mental health is suffering and everything. And I was just, you know, I was crying and and beside myself. Uh, And so I texted my sister and she just texted back, you've got this. And for me, it was almost a light bulb that here in the palm of my hand, I had the ability to really connect to other women and other people who were going through this, which made me feel so much stronger and so much more capable, like, okay, I'm not the only woman in the world that's, that's navigating breastfeeding and work. And, and, um, I just kind of had this flash of moment to go, man, why don't, why has no one built something that makes it easy for us to connect and to talk about this and to do this? And I think that's really the onus for where pump spotting all began for me as it planted in that moment, the real, the nugget of an idea of what we really needed. Well, now we're going to take a very short break uh, to hear from one of our sponsors, and then we'll talk about how you launched Pump Spotting and how that business has evolved. This is Jennifer Cook of Norway Savings Asset Management Group. Here, we believe in family asset management. Simply put, it means we do right by you and your loved ones. And it's not necessarily the size of the portfolio we care about. It's the story behind it a story that's unique to you. Let us help you write your next chapter. For more information, visit norwaysavings.bank. Investment products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed by the bank and may lose value. In some ways, getting those words of encouragement at the right moment can make the difference between a parent being able to keep going and, and giving up. We are back talking to Amy Van Heron of Pump Spotting. Amy was just telling us about the light bulb moment uh, that led her to founding a breastfeeding support platform called Pump Spotting. So, Amy, at what point did this idea of yours turn into a concrete business plan? Yeah, I think like many entrepreneurs, once you've got your mind set on something, you kind of become obsessive. So for me, I was now I was thinking about it all the time, which actually was this beautiful thing because instead of stressing about breastfeeding, now I was seeing women everywhere and talking to them and starting to go, what do we need? How would we build this and all of that? And the next uh, phase came for me. I actually had a yoga instructor and I was, I was telling her about my idea and saying, I really want to build an app because I think mobile technology is the way for us to connect and I'd never done it. And she said, you need to meet this woman that I went on a yoga retreat with, who is an app developer named Lindsay Whitmer Collins. And so she introduced me to Lindsay and it was just one of those moments, you know, I think we've all had them where you meet someone who you just can kind of tell somewhere deep down that this person is a real fit and the synergy, and they're going to really transform and change things. And we had this beautiful conversation and, you know, she really saw the vision. I came to her with a PowerPoint being a marketer, you know, all these slides and here's what I'm thinking and all of that. And she was laughing. She said, I've never gotten a, an idea come to me this fully <laughs> flushed out. Um, but she loved it and she totally got it. And so I, then I enlisted her to build the first version of Pump Spotting. And that's where it went from idea to real venture. And how long did that take from your first contact with her to having the platform ready? Yeah, I think I probably spoke with her in September of 2015. And I think six or seven months later, uh, at the end of July, 2016, we launched in the app store. 
And what about raising financing to get the idea off the ground? I know that um, crowdfunding was was one source for you, a Kickstarter campaign. So why why that route? Yeah, so started funding it myself with the first version of the app. And then once we had the app, the app up and running and the community started to grow, we had this kind of wild idea for research and discovery that if we were truly going to build this product that served all breastfeeding women and all shades of feeding and what have you, that we really, really needed to know as much as possible about what that looked like and what was this pain point. We knew our stories and but we were starting to collect many more. And so that's when we had, we had this idea to buy a 40 foot RV and turn it into a nursing and pumping suite called the Breast Express. And so that was, that was kind of the next evolution of the business once the product was out there. And so for funding, we did the, the Kickstarter campaign to get the funds for the bus that would help fuel the next iteration of what we learned and what we built. So um, let's just walk back a second. The name Pump Spotting, how'd you come up with that? Yeah, I think because I was, you know, at the time I was, I was constantly looking for places to pump. I was, you know, looking for bathrooms and searching for them. And so I just had this moment where that's exactly what I was trying to do was spot places to pump. And it just kind of came to me and felt quirky and memorable. Before we talk more about how this developed, can you just sort of give us a nutshell what what the platform does? Yeah, so Pump Spotting is really the mobile app is built to really help usher parents through meeting their feeding goals. So it's really it is the connection piece It connects them to other parents who are in this phase of life so they can ask questions and share milestones and get support connects them to lactation consultants when they have questions and crises in the middle of the night it connects to places to nurse and pump so yelp like the spotting is still there of you know where do you want to go and the fun thing about that is that it's not just here's a space but you know parents will weigh in and say the pizza joint down the street has a really big booth and a friendly wait staff, or it's also very, the spaces um, that are being shared are also very culturally oriented. Um, and then it also offers content and love notes and essentially everything that you need to know at each stage, because breastfeeding is always changing from the early days to, you know, the mid, when you start to settle into even weaning, you have a lot of questions and needs. And what are love notes? Love notes are things that our team has written that are uh, just the emotional uplifts that I think you need when it's 3 a.m. and it's the 800th time you've been doing this and you just can't do it one more day. It's, it, they're, they're just built to say, you know, don't quit on your hardest day. Essentially, love notes are, are what that text was for me. And I think they sound like a simple thing, but in some ways, getting those words of encouragement at the right moment can make the the difference between a parent being able to keep going and 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 giving up. And so how did you build the app and test it with your target audience before you launched? Well, luckily we were in the phase of life where we had a lot of pregnant and nursing friends and family. And so we really started there having conversations and um, just, you know, putting it in the hands of having been part of Mama Nest, for example, and local women's groups. And we, we had some wonderful conversations. I remember I held a brunch here in town where we invited a bunch of parents and asked them questions. And so that's, we really started just close in. Who did we know and what did they need? And, um, and then we grew from there. And so this is an app that's on mobile phones, right? Uh, only. 
Yeah. Yep. So it's on mobile app. You know, we're on our phones all the time when you're nursing and pumping and it really has been a wonderful space to be able to connect. And is how do users uh, pay for it? Is there a monthly subscription fee? Do they have to sign up for a certain period of time? How does that work? There's two versions for parents directly. One is free where they can access the community and the places to nurse and pump and then the full support pack package with lactation consultants and content and love notes and all those is uh, $9.99 a month for a subscription or $99 for a year. So there's two ways they can get on board. And you mentioned this a little bit. So how did you get the word out about this platform brand new product? Um, I know you had a bus tour about across the country, but before that... Yeah, we just started going to the communities where parents were, you know, for us, it was about word of mouth, definitely big, important thing for us. We did a number of, you know, Facebook, social media advertising, because that's really how parents discover. I think moms, especially, it's a great place to find them and connect. So we did some traditional advertising and SEO. And then we, you know, I think our brand was so strong. We also did a lot of playful, shareable type content and things that moms wanted to pass on. Um, and that really helped us grow in the early days, especially. Now, tell us about um, this, this bus tour. You called it uh, the Breast Express. Um, I think you traveled around the country and did two tours. And this, first of all, this was not just an ordinary vehicle. It was almost like a luxury home on wheels. So tell us about the idea behind it. Yeah. I mean, we, we had this moment, we had a moment of real rejection at some point in our journey, Lindsay and I, actually the first time we pitched pump spotting, we um, had done it on a reality TV show and we, and we didn't, we failed, but we, someone asked us the question, you know, how, how well do you really understand this audience? Um, and after that night of rejection, uh, we woke up at four in the morning and we, you know, were fired up about, okay, well, how do we solve that? And what do we do? And actually Lindsay has a video of me telling the story. And then we said, well, we're going to buy a bus and we're <laughs> going to turn it into this oasis like home. And we're going to put you know, couches and a beautiful living space up front where parents can sit with one another and they can connect and talk and, you know, nurse and pump and do all the things they need to. And we're going to stock the kitchen with lactation teas and protein shakes and things to just feed moms as they're feeding their little ones. And we're going to have, you know, a find your flow station with all the breast pumps and accessories and gear. So you can check them out and talk about it and what have you. And the big bed in the back to put your feet up and, you know, a lactation consultant on board. And then the whole thing is just going to be surprise and delight, feel good things that are unexpected and really, really about nourishing parents as they're in this real season of nourishment themselves. Um, and that's, that's what it was. It was, you know, a roving connection space. And I, and I think the most powerful thing for me is we did, we, I lived on it for the first five months of tour in 2018, which, <laughs> which was wild. I'd never been on an RV before. And, um, you know, and my kids were still little. So my, my family believing in me in this journey enough to allow me to be away from them, which was so hard in so many ways to give up time with them in service of what I thought 
we really could do. And we stopped, you know, everywhere from NASA to the St. Louis Fair to hospitals and birthing centers. And sometimes we would show up at mom's front doors. There was a woman in Indiana, for example, who tweeted at us and said, I see her between, you know, here and here, and I'm just outside <laughs> Indy and I'm having a really hard time. And we just pulled up for a couple hours and, and so much of the power of that tour. I mean, not only did we learn so much to help us build the pump spotting app and think about what we wanted to do, but you could, you could see parents, they would come on the bus carrying the weight of everything that they were, they had their diaper bag, they had their breast pump, they had their <laughs> baby, you know, and then on top of that, they had the weight of the emotional issues that they were struggling with all, you know, I think all parents have that, the doubt and the questions, and am I doing this right? And am I enough? And, you know, all those things, and you could see that, and then they would spend time with us and we'd feed them and hold their baby and give them information and just, you know, confirm that they are seen and capable and all those things I always needed. And they would step off the bus feeling so much lighter and you, you could see hopefully feeling more, you know, capable about going forward. Um, and it was really transformative for all of us. And so tell me what you learned from this experience and where you took pump spotting after that. What we really unearthed is that the biggest pain point is the workplace. And that time and time again, women and would come on the bus and say, I'm terrified to go back to work. I don't know how to navigate this. And I have, I don't have any support or I don't know how to talk to my employers about this or is like, how do I even tell if my, my employer is, you know, breastfeeding friendly. And I, I think it became clear to us that there was a gap, not only in support for moms, but there was a gap in supporting employers and how can employers create breastfeeding supportive cultures and how do they even broach this conversation and what do their parents need? Um, and, you know, it's also clear there's a huge business benefit for breastfeeding support, a ginormous ROI in terms of, um, you know, healthy moms and babies mean healthy, it mean less healthcare claims, less absenteeism, huge retention rate boosts and all those things. So then at that moment, it really was clear that pump spotting, what we were building with the technology and the communication and the support system that we could create a version for employers that was a very turnkey benefit so that their parents got access to pump spotting, but then we became a real partner with them so that organizations could truly create breastfeeding supportive cultures and environments that helped them retain working parents, which you know is more important than ever. And so you launched then the B2 part of uh, pump spotting, I believe in 2020 uh, during a pandemic. Did that play into your planning or your platform at all? Sure. Well, I think two things happened. One is that parents became more isolated than ever. So virtual support systems and communities became really important. And second, you know, we we're seeing and we're continuing to see with the strain, especially on working parents and exodus of women and parents from the workforce, and that it really matters how we're thinking of support within workplaces. And so for us, it really just allowed us to build into that. And, and I think made the value proposition of what we're building at Pump Spotting more important. And I think it's shifting dialogue because breastfeeding is something that's so 
invisible or it has been, it's not brought up in boardrooms. It's not brought up at home. Sometimes it's something that's really been, we feel isolated for a reason. And I think we're just starting to open the door more around that dialogue and that conversation um, and the importance of that. And I think one of the key things to remember is that whether it doesn't matter where you are when you are nursing and pumping and when working, whether you're home on Zoom calls or you're in the office or you're traveling, that milk is still coming every two hours. And that weight of making sure your baby's fed and the milk supply is right, it's evergreen. And so I think one of the powers of pump spotting and the way we've been really building the full solution is to be there for parents and companies, regardless of what it looks like for your workforce. And tell us how you then approached uh, the first employers that signed on to this. What did you have to, was it a difficult sales pitch? It's, it's been a journey. I'll say that. I think <laughs> that, you know, breastfeeding is not something people are used to talking about. It's, it's been very interesting because I think It runs the gamut. I'll say there's some real family benefits, family forming focused companies who are excited to talk about this. Great. They're looking for solutions. They love the idea of bringing things in. I think there are companies who have had issues. They have parents there who are upset about lack of spaces or support from managers or things. I think more companies probably have a real problem than they want to talk about. You know, the statistics show that, you know, over 50% of women choose between breastfeeding and their jobs. I think employers genuinely want to support breastfeeding and baby feeding parents, but I think they don't always know how, and it's not a conversation that's been had. And I think people bring their own experiences to the table, Um, but I'm a real optimist. And so for me, I feel we're moving into this time period where family benefits are really growing. And I'm excited that we're helping to open those doors and really lead this conversation. And some pretty major employers have signed on to this benefit already. Yeah, well, we're really excited to have the state of Maine on board and to be able to be offering pump spotting to their 30,000 employees and spouses and um, just go Maine for innovating and leading the charge, which is amazing. We're also working with Tilson Technology. And then we work with a number of companies across the country. And um, the cool thing about what we build is it's really for businesses of all sizes. So we have dental office and we have an agency and we have, you know, Punchbowl out of Boston and um, startups. And so it's really, really cool to see the way the various industries and businesses are starting to find value in what we do. And as you grow, you've also had to to raise additional funding, venture capital funding you had around this year. So how are you using the proceeds from that $1.5 million raise? Yeah, we're really accelerating our go-to-market strategy and, and getting pump spotting in the hands of, you know, as many companies as possible, really helping build our, um, scalability, our lead generation and our sales process. And really just from a sales and marketing perspective, both the team and resources we need to help get, take us from the starting stage of the product in hands of employers to really being, you know, a real force and presence for good in the family benefits market. We are now going to take another, a very short break, and then we will finish with um, some lessons and takeaways from this experience. As the CEO or owner of a small or mid-sized business in Maine, you've got the weight of the world on you. 
But what if you didn't have to go at it alone? What if you could journey with an elite team of peers who've got your back and an experienced guide who knows the lay of the land? With that level of support, how far could you go? For more than 60 years, Vistage, the world's leading executive coaching and peer advisory organization, has been helping leaders reach new heights. Learn more at Vistage.com. That's V-I-S-T-A-G-E.com. You need to hold the vision of where you're going as, as a company and really what you can do, but you kind of have to hold it loosely because things come to light that really shift things. And, and so releasing the outcomes and opening the opportunities feels like my mantra these days. Welcome back. We're talking to Amy Van Heron about uh, Pump Spotting, interesting company in this new emerging femtech sector, uh, as she mentioned. So Amy, I have to ask you, do you wish something like pump spotting had been around when you were a nursing mother? Uh, how would that have changed your life? Absolutely. I think I would not have had to pump in so many bathrooms. I think I would have been able to find spaces. I think I wouldn't have gotten to such a dark place. You know, I, I would have had space and support before then. And I think I also, I just would have felt more comfortable being open and honest, even with people close to me, I think there's there's something valuable about being able to be truthful about what you're going through. And your kids are now a bit older. So how old are they now? Yeah, nine and just turned seven. And is balancing uh, running your own company and, and parenthood, does it get any easier? Um, challenging in different ways yeah it gets challenging in different ways I think in some ways it's it's always messy it's always rewarding like every day is the new normal I think they feel they feel the weight more of you know me being away or what does that mean when my time goes into work and not them and uh, you know I certainly am not perfect at it there are lots of times it's a balance there is no harmony and it's, you know, a mess and we're trying to get through certainly in the, the pandemic. Um, but I think, you know, all I can say is the way that I try and get through is that um, our, my kids have been a real part of this journey. I guess that gets me through the days when it, when it feels like I don't have as much time for them as, you know, I wish. And so mostly it's been pretty beautiful for us. And for you personally, in this uh, journey of being an entrepreneur for the second time, uh, what what are some of the things that you've learned about yourself or about starting or running a company from this experience? One of the biggest things I think I've learned, especially the second time around, is how important it is to release the outcome sometimes and maybe just focus on opening up the opportunities. Because again and again, I never could have guessed that I would be here. I never would have guessed that we would go on the bus tour. You know, I never would have guessed that the pandemic in some ways would position us for certain things or what have you. And I think I can have a tendency, maybe like all, to really, you really want a certain sale to close or you really want something to come to life for you. You know, you need to hold the vision of where you're going as as a company and really what you can do, but you kind of have to hold it loosely because things come to light that really shift things. And and so releasing the outcomes and opening the opportunities feels like my mantra these days. (laughs) And what is next uh, for Pump Spotting? We're just really excited. We've got 
we're talking to some really interesting partners, some in um, education, in retail, some things we've got on the horizon that, that, that I'm really excited about in terms of what we can do. And I'm really excited about the product. We're gonna be adding some things for parents that I think are more beneficial and playful. Um, and you know, for me personally, I'm really excited about growing, continuing to grow the team here in Maine and opportunities for women and, and the workforce here in our state. I love growing together with people. How many on your team now? There's four of us full-time and we're hoping to add at least one, if not two by end of year and early next year. And remind us how big is this virtual community? So we're not only a spam spotting um, nationwide, but we have parents in over 14 countries. So you can pump spotting is worldwide, which is exciting. I think we've served over now over 41,000 uh, parents since we started. And still growing. Still growing. Because still there's wonderful new babies and new mothers navigating this year after year. So we're there for them. And any, before we go, any closing thoughts or advice to other aspiring or existing entrepreneurs? Don't quit on your hardest day. <laughs> Just, you know, keep going. Like really tap into the amazing people around you who have ideas and, and want to support and you know I get a lot of joy out of connecting with others and so just you know you the world needs what you're building so keep going the day that changed everything is a production of main biz find out more about this podcast and other main biz media products at mainbiz.biz the day that changed everything is sponsored by MTI or main technology institute Norway savings bank and Vistage. The Main Biz podcast team includes Donna Broussard, Allison Nason, Renee Cordes, Maureen Milliken, Will Hall, and Andrea Tetzlaff. Audio editor and producer is Chris Sedanka. Logo and marketing designer is Matt Selva. Subscribe at mainbiz.biz or via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Copyright 2021.